0: This is Defenders TV Podcast, Episode 75, where we're starting off our new coverage of Luke Cage with Season 1, Episode 1, The Moment of Truth. You think I'm holding back? Welcome back, Defenders. Welcome to our coverage of Luke Cage. We're back with our regular coverage of a Defenders TV show. And if you haven't watched the episode, we are going to spoil the fog out of it. Yes, fog. I'm one of your hosts, Derek, and I don't curse.
1: I'm your other host, Chris. Uh, I'm going to open with this just very quickly. I watched Michael Coulter. I want his abs. I went to the gym today. I no longer want to be Michael Coulter. Why? It's too much. It's too much. I, I'm never gonna have those muscles. Ah! Oh, if you, if our listeners could see me now, I, I, I my every muscle is quaking and is just like no, no, no.
2: <laughs> you do the thirty day shred like John did. Absolutely. Um, and laughing in the background is one of your other hosts, John, who will hold the the in for uh, this series of podcasts. And I think maybe the first one, Derek. No, it was Fog, John. Fog. Ah, Fog. Okay. <laughs> but payments to uh, John of Defenders TV Podcast for all that swearing. Excellent. Excellent. Well, we could probably charge most
0: of the cast a lot of money. This is a very <laughs> different Netflix show. There's definitely a little more uh, little more adult content in here than, uh, than we've seen in the past. Um, but we are here to cover every episode of Luke Cage in our normal format. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time and haven't heard any of our podcasts before, the way we cover each of the Netflix shows is that we cover each individual episode with a podcast. So this episode is going to be episode one of Luke Cage, uh, and then the next episode, obviously episode two, and and on we go. Uh, We have been lucky enough to get a preview screening of uh, the Luke Cage first seven episodes. We have them available to us to watch, so we're actually recording on the 24th of September, a couple of days before it goes live on Netflix, which allows us to put the show up. The minute after you've watched it uh, on on Netflix. So uh, really kind of cool to have it uh, ahead of time this time. So yeah. a huge thank you to Netflix.
2: Absolutely. And we cover the shows uh, and each of our podcasts, we all pick our favorite or top five points, some good, some bad, maybe something different depending on what the episode or in fact the series is like. And um, our new episodes will drop on Fridays and Tuesdays. Each week, we're going to try and get two out uh, each week now. And so episode one will drop on the day of release of the Luke Cage uh, Marvel Netflix series on the 30th of September. September. So definitely um, subscribe to us on tv Podcast.com forward slash iTunes or any other good podcast catcher. Just search uh Defenders TV Podcast, subscribe, leave a review, uh, and of course that will really help other people uh, find out. Uh, and uh, listen to our podcast. Absolutely and one of the other cool things about the show because everybody watches it
0: at their own pace you can leave your feedback for us as you go watching through the episodes all you need to do is send us feedback to feedback at com, or you can pop on our website DefendersTVPodcast.com click the feedback button and record 90 seconds of your thoughts about each of the episodes. Uh, I just ask that if you are going to do that just make sure you mark it with the episode you're speaking about just because we're going to be, uh, while we are ahead to begin with we will be behind uh, a moment most of our listeners are going to binge watch the 13 episodes of this show. Um, so at least we know that we're not going to be spoilt about any future developments in the episodes.
2: Yeah. So some of our theories that we might draw out from each of the episodes may absolutely turn to dust. Um, <laughs> and you will know this, but it, hopefully it will be um, a bit of amusement uh, yeah. and some good fun. Uh, whilst you hear us theorize about what may happen, some of it might actually happen. Others, of course, may just be absolute rubbish.
1: John, are you trying to tell me that my theory from season two of Daredevil where a giant hand suddenly came out of the hole in the floor was wrong? Are you trying to tell me Not Yeah, get-
0: that was wrong. Well, that hang was wrong hang on. Not to be proven yet. They, they still haven't gone into the hole. That
2: could be Defenders. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you were you were right about that with regards to Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Sir Actman. laughs> I think I saw the Millennium Falcon, and ah, something okay. came out of the hole. That Wrong. really old movie. Yeah, yeah. With the uh, with the mean old movie. <laughs>
1: uh, oh, hey! It's hey, my hey, Spider-Man. Hey. Just because Tom <laughs> Collins gets away with it doesn't mean you can.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely not the same age as Tom Holland. Anyway, finally, before we go into our coverage, of Luke Cage, just want to say a huge thank you to those of our listeners who've been leaving us reviews over on iTunes as part of our Summer of Strange competition, or prize draw, really. Um, We will be announcing the winner at the end of the podcast. Uh, What we're actually going to do is record that closer to the day of release because we want to give a little couple more days for, uh, for people to leave some more reviews. Um, for that. So the prize draw itself was for uh, two Doctor Strange comics, two preludes to the Doctor Strange movie, um, the vinyl pop of Doctor Strange, which everybody seems to love. And we've got one on our desk, which is awesome. And also for a digital code for the first six issues of the current Doctor Strange series. Uh, and finally, a cap, a Doctor Strange cap with the seal of Ashanti
2: on the front. Yeah. And, uh, our Doctor Strange Vinyl Pop is nodding furiously in agreement here on our desk. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and we will probably be looking to hold our Luke Cage competition for this series of podcasts. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, no, we to don't. It. <laughs> we don't know what it is yet, but, uh, we will do by our second episode. Absolutely.
0: So stay tuned to the end of the episode where the winner of the Summer Strange competition will be announced. I think it's time to get into our coverage of Luke Cage, A Moment Yay! of Truth. Yay, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to getting into to hear all the thoughts of absolutely. our of our team here. There'd
2: be spoilers, there'd be
1: You suddenly became an international pirate. I did. <laughs> 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 it's, just checking. it's just like you I know it was International Pirate Day this week, but I'm just so pretty sure it's a day, not a week. And
2: yeah. there is the Pirate Party in Germany. No less, yeah. Political party. So there be weirdness there be. Um <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, with that let's get into moment of truth episode one of season one of Luke Cage. I am salivating over this, but Derek, can you give us a few little details about who wrote who directed um this first episode absolutely this first episode was written by Chio
0: Coker uh, the creator and uh, and showrunner for this show so he's been heavily involved in it but wrote the first episode um what he's well known for and one of the interesting points that I've seen here is that he is the writer of the biopic for Notorious B.I.G. called Notorious. So that big poster that we see in episode one on the back wall with the Notorious B.I.G. with his king, uh, with his crown on, his king hat, I was going to call it, (laughs) with his crown on in uh, Cottonmouth Club. Uh, that's kind of a reference for, uh, for Chio Coker's career. One of his, one of his biggest, uh, one of his biggest hits, I suppose.
2: Yeah. Uh, that great moment where Cottonmouth walks forward and it looks like it's on his own head. He is the cool. king of Harlem. Uh, fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Very cool. Uh,
0: and the episode itself was directed by Paul McGuigan, who's known from uh,
2: the movie. Lucky
0: number eleven, and also from many episodes of the TV series uh Sherlock. Yeah, so we did about five or six episodes of that, so quite cool to have him on board uh, directing this episode.
2: So we have a Benedict Cumberbatch uh, a link here and obviously by reference then a Doctor Strange link. Nice. Well, we're on firm ground then. Excellent. Hooray. Oh, John. Everything
1: leads uh- to strange. Oh, God.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so
1: okay, can we just take note? We haven't even gone into the points yet. And he's managed to reference Dr. Strange. I'm I'm kind of impressed. I'm kind of impressed.
2: Uh So anyone who's who's started listening, you'll realise I'm a big Dr. Strange fan. And of course, it is slightly relevant. Uh, His movie's coming out on the 25th of October um, in Europe. Uh so not long left and that is early november in uh USA and mm-hmm. Canada so um and yeah. there is another very strong
0: tie just quickly obviously to doctor strange he is the defender so you know he is one of the main defenders that started up the defenders so uh, not not out of character to reference him in here but no more talk yes. of doctor strange and let's talk luke cage
2: absolutely john do you want to give us the synopsis for this episode of luke cage moment of truth absolutely After the destruction and loss of his bar in Hell's Kitchen, a penniless Luke Cage moves back to Harlem. He takes on two low-key jobs, one at Pop's Barbers and the other as a kitchen hand in a local club, as he tries to figure out what to do next and so as not to draw unnecessary attention to his powerful new abilities. However, Harlem is in flux as rival gang leaders Cornell, Cottonmouth, Stokes and Diamondback seek new partnerships and to influence the political campaign of Mariah Dillard. As Luke is forced front of house at Cottonmouth's club, Harlem's Paradise, he encounters Diamondback's enforcer Shades that brings back painful memories of his time in Seagate Prison. Meanwhile, an important money exchange between two gangs is crashed by Shamik and Chico, both known to Luke Cage. As retribution falls on Shamik and Cottonmouth attempts to recover his money, detectives Misty Knight and Raphael Scarf investigate the series of killings linked to the failed money exchange. And Luke Cage becomes increasingly embroiled in the Harlem scene as an unwilling defender. So
0: yeah, loads going on there in uh, in our synopsis. Uh, setting up a new area of New York here in Harlem. We've we spent loads of time within the three series so far of the Defender shows over in Hell's Kitchen. Uh, our first experience of Harlem here, and they're really setting up a lot of it with uh, with all this wide cast of characters that we haven't seen before.
2: Definitely, loads of interaction between the characters. A real kind of setup here for for the audience. Um, and it, it was really good. It gave like this fantastic flavour of the the community of Harlem, and of course. Not only the the place in New York, but also Luke Cage's place within Harlem yeah. and, and and his environment and the people he um, ha- is having to deal with um, or, or or relates to. So really, really cool. I thought um, on this certainly as as a first impression. Absolutely, definitely. So
0: before we kick into our top five points, Chris, what's your general thoughts overall on the episode? Do you like it? Dislike it? Nice start.
1: It's tough to read it just on one. Mm-hmm. So, this is very much a setup episode. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the, straight after watching it, I tweeted out something along the lines of my jaw was dropping and I was having a little spasm attack. <laughs> because I was just like, ah! It was great to be here. It's great to be at this point where we're seeing this new area. Um, they, they got very close. I thought it was going to be a huge setup with no payoff. Mm hmm. But by the end of the episode, we do get a payoff. Yeah, yeah. Um, And the trope-hating element of me uh-huh. was going to go, was like, oh, God, this is going to be a really bad episode, first one. And then, like, literally, it was going to be, like, the second and third one where we get, everything would happen. Right. It's not. It's not. It's a brilliant opening. It all comes together. hmm it's just slower than I think anything we've seen to date from a Marvel Nexus show.
2: Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. But I I would say rather than slower, I think it's gradual. Yeah, I think it's like yes. you know, it, exactly. it, it's yeah. kind of introducing it's the politics with Mar- Mariah uh, D- Dillard. It, there's the whole Harlem community, mm-hmm. that melting pot. You know, uh, the different cultures that that are in there. There's the the gangs. There's obviously Luke Cage. Um, but it, it's it's the, the cops. It, it's all of those things. I, I love the idea that there's the political element uh, in this. You know, you you really much, you very much had the the legal aspect with Jerry Hogarth and Jessica Jones, and obviously in Daredevil, um, and you had this whole aspect of, of you know the courts and the district attorneys. Mm-hmm. Here, you know, we're really seeing the. The, the politics led by mariah dillard yeah. and this kind of murky association with some of the less salubrious parts of, of of harlem with regards to the gang leaders and them trying to buy that kind of influence yeah. and, and so on yeah. i really like that and that, that's definitely a a huge gradual build-up so i, I yeah. would definitely agree with, with chris um and for me, there's something about this,
0: about this first episode that makes uh, Luke Cage feel a lot broader than, than Daredevil and Jessica Jones. There seems to be a bigger cast of characters around him. There seems to be more of this, the outdoors and more of the city that are being shown. Um, it doesn't feel like a huge amount of interior uh, moments. There's also a lot of exterior work with uh, with Maria Dillard when she's uh, going on the campaign trail almost. So it does feel like we're seeing Harlem uh, as filmed for the show rather than uh, there being a lot of interior um, discussions and offices a lot, which was what we were seeing in, in Daredevil and Jessica Jones. So I'm really intrigued uh, so far. It really set it up really well for me so far.
1: The the one thing I'll say, and I think like, we can move on now at this point, is that it is a different show. They have not done Daredevil mm-hmm. in Harlem. They yeah. have not done Jessica Jones in Harlem. Mm-hmm. This is as unique as probably anything that the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the Netflix the Marvel Netflix universe, depending if they are connected or not, depending, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. this is the most unique. Definitely. This is Depending on your, which, it's a step to the left or a step to the right, and no matter what, it is a new show, it's mm-hmm. a new direction, and it feels good. Yes,
0: yeah, totally. That, agree. I think,
1: is the best way to describe
0: it. Absolutely. Totally agree. And I think that leads me on to my first point. Uh, it's a new direction for our podcast, almost, because I think this is going to become my first point in every episode. Uh, I have mentioned in our kind of lead up episodes uh, to Luke Cage that uh, Chio Coker was a former music journalist and has brought that idea of music to the show of uh, of Luke Cage. Uh, two of my points are going to be referencing music in this episode but the number one is about the uh, the name of the episode which is Moment of Truth uh, taken from the Gangstar song of the same name. So what I've done is have, uh, listened to the lyrics of the song uh, and tried to see if there's any connections in it to this episode of Luke Cage. What do you think, guys? Good idea. Add uh, John. Sounds good. I might need the swear jar for this. So, uh, <laughs> 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 so the main lyrics in uh, in this song, uh, Gangster's Moment of Truth, are: It's lonely at the top, and whatever you do, you always got to watch around you. The same shiesty cats you hang with could be the same ones to wet you up. So the meaning of that really is that uh, when you're standing at the top like Cottonmouth seems to be here, uh, you got to watch everybody that's around you because someone could turn on you at any minute. So I definitely think that's a reference to the fact that Cottonmouth is trying to further his business within Harlem and the people that are actually sabotaging that are people that work with him or work for him or work around him. So he's got to keep a real strong eye on all those people that work around him. Uh, one of the other things that I thought was interesting is right towards the end of the song, uh, there's the line, no one is untouchable. No man is bulletproof. We almost meet our moments of truth. Which is interesting because our main character here is a bulletproof superhero. So nice choice there, Chio Coker. I uh, have to say that a really good choice for this first episode. I'm going to see throughout the rest of the season. All the episodes are named after gang star songs. Uh, I've got them all up on a playlist over on YouTube. So I'll be picking out. Uh, see if there's any connection between those songs and the lyrics and uh, and the episodes as they go. Absolutely.
1: Music seems to have a very huge presence, but also thematic kind of element to this show definitely we see cottonmouth's kind of club mm-hmm. or uh, mr stokes excuse me excuse me
0: don't call him cottonmouth
1: Ah, uh, one of the opening scenes we see of his club is with this other musician then there's the, obviously the notorious big mm-hmm. reference and obviously the titles i'm wondering i'm hoping that this does continue we know that yeah. there was a feature at saying that this is quite music plays an important part but they say that about everything. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm hoping that this actually does continue. Like, will we see like Pharrell Williams just kind of slowly walking by uh-huh. and doing a song? There's
0: a few. There's definitely a few, and it's it's one of my points for later on. So I'll, I'll save it a little oh, bit. Okay. But um, but I know we have Faith Evans coming up on the show uh, in a later episode. She's going to be doing a live performance. So uh, there's definitely going to be that involvement. The people that are doing the music for the show are members of uh, former members of a tribe called Quest. So um, some really heavily involv heavily heavy involvement from uh, many musicians in the show. And as I say, with Chio background in music journalism, it seems like he's kind of drawn on that for his career. Really, uh, you know, his biggest movie being Notorious. Uh, about Notorious B.I.G., you know that's that's kind of the background he comes from, and it seems like he's bringing that to Harlem because Harlem is well known as being a, an area of New York where a lot of music has been coming from all the way back to the to the 50s and 60s, all the way up to date. Uh, they've always had a really strong music feeling. So I presume the idea here is that that's the foundation that Harlem is built on. So we will see it play in throughout the episodes. Yeah, and I
2: mean it goes back further than that with you know jazz and uh, and, and blues and all that mm-hmm. in, in in Harlem as well. I mean, I, I'm absolutely loving this. I mean, um, all this new music, um, you know, the playlist that um, we put together and put up on on YouTube. Uh, really, it's it's so interesting. It's so great to get um, exposed to um, some of these lyrics and, yeah. and seeing how they work into themes or elements of, of the show. Mm-hmm. I, I find um, really, really really cool and i mean if if i can just like segue that into one of my points it it, it is that like the no one is untouchable and no man is a bulletproof i think here uh, i want to give a huge shout out to um you know to mike Coulter. and um, i think the conflict the battle that's kind of raging inside of him mm. um is is portrayed within those lyrics ultimately, and ultimately, you know, we will see his moment of truth where he has to step up and become Power Man, as is kind of referenced by um, Frankie Faison's pops there Mm -hmm. um, at the start of the episode. I really, and um, think that the way Mike Coulter um, has that brooding intensity of Luke Cage is really good. And I, for me, I just see this conflict of him wanting almost a quiet life. He's probably had, felt his he's had enough excitement with Jessica Jones, yeah. uh, and he's lost his bar.
1: The rebound chick with the shotgun to face, that was beautiful. Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, shotgun to the face. Yeah, I love that reference back to that. He still gets headaches, all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and... You know, he—he's kind of—it's like he wants to just have that step back from from all of that um going on. And but at the end of the day, he can't hide from what it is. And I think Mike Coulter's really captures that and the kind of the intensity of, of the of his broodingness I totally um, agree. In, in this first episode yeah. really well and, yeah. I, and i think it goes beyond that where you know he puts that onto chico and you see chico take the gun uh, you know come back to um pop's barbers uh, take the gun for them to go off a, a, and kind of crash that that exchange mm. between diamondback and and cottonmouth people or well, I, I presume that's they are anyway yep. I, maybe, maybe it's not but you know where they go and steal that money yeah and, and i love that moment where you know chico kind of is just like you know leave me alone i'm i'm an adult i don't need a father That's all same. this kind of stuff but you can see in the same way um it, it, it's that moment where luke cage can see well he's going a different way and i think we talked in the 101 one. Certainly, one of the things I love about Luke Cage is this notion that he could have been in a gang. He yeah. could have been a bad guy, and he takes a different route. And I think he, that kind of thinking that he's doing internally, I think he captures that so well on his face and totally. how he portrays uh, Luke Cage in this episode. So, uh, and and it all just links in with some of these excellent lyrics from the music as well. Mm-hmm. And I I just think it was really. Spot on. It it was the Cookie Monster like jaw drop moment as Chris put up. Um, Uh You know, really cool, really cool. Yeah,
0: no, really really enjoying my culture in this episode. Really good. Like that fabulous moment where he's where he's thinking about his wife Riva, who who we now know is dead from uh, from Jessica Jones. Uh, He's thinking back on his life with her. He's he's kind of repeating the promise that he made to her that he'll always live his life. He'll be strong. Uh, And we have the flashback kind of scene, which I think is really well done. When he's sitting in his apartment alone kind of freaking out that he'd be dragged back into this evil side of himself by by that meeting with shades that he has uh where he's reminded of a moment um in 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 prison i presume where he's being told you need to reach out to other people or else you'll be driven insane and then he looks down at the book in his hand which is the invisible man which is effectively him calling out that what he's been trying to become is the invisible man but he may need to change that uh, going forward within this this future in harlem really well shot scene and really yeah. well put together scene so along with that little reference to jessica jones there was a bunch of mcu connections which i think is your first point chris is it
1: slightly yes it's quite <laughs> strange our listeners may know that i like my easter eggs and i like my references but to be fair in this first episode they really kind of how do we put this um made it very obvious in the mm-hmm. first, like, 15 minutes. Uh, I'm, of course, talking about when Luke's walking along the street. He has a street hustler with mm-hmm. bootleg copies. To be fair, boot, bootleg Blu-ray copies of the <laughs> incident. Um, and to be fair, and thank you, Derek, for pointing this out, because he starts talking about the the big green guy. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea. And then you filled me in in that there's a statue in Fenway Park, which is the baseball stadium. and Or is it the actual uh, place is called the big <laughs> green? Yeah, it's, green.
0: The, it's the left field wall in Fenway Park. The uh, baseball stadium is called the big green.
2: Listen to Europeans talk about American sports live on Defenders TV Podcast. <laughs> we swear
1: we know what this means. I, I
2: do. It's the big green monster what
0: takes away the runs from the opposing team. There you go. So, oh, so the big, the big to... green monster. I, I did look it up on Wikipedia, so hopefully I'm right. Okay, fans <laughs> on the
1: back of a postcard if we're not.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah diff- different sport to go Ravens. Uh, definitely a different sport to American football. Yes, there is no uh, there is no baseball team in Carolina, so uh, so I have no idea about baseball. The Ravens.
1: It's okay. They hit everyone with sticks in North Carolina in base in football anyway, so it's fine. <gasps> I I'm right. not saying anything about the Ravens. I swear. Any it's other MCU
0: connections, Chris? That you saw?
1: Uh, yeah, there's a fair few. I think that the, that one I wanted to highlight because I think it was one of the actual best that we've had in mm-hmm. a long time, especially from a Marvel Netflix. They literally came out all out and they mentioned the full range of the Avengers. I think it was like uh, the old guy with the shield. Ah, oh, poor Ar- Captain
2: America. <laughs> what did
1: they call Iron Man again? They called him something along I the That was Tony
2: totally Stark. Does Tony yep. Stark? Yep. Mm-hmm. At least they didn't add Virgin in with yeah. uh the, the old man. That's yeah. true. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, hey, maybe. Look, we know in Civil War he's kinda got lucky with his flames niece.
2: Well he got a kiss.
1: Yeah. Well, let's see. <laughs> um but that was I think one of the best kinda I think so far that's one of the best call-outs we've seen so far. And I think potentially the the best one of the best connections that I've seen um or callbacks, I think I should call it, is the 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 hoodie. At the mm-hmm. very end of the episode, he pulls up his hoodie and it's the yellow on the inside, obviously referencing the his iconic yellow shirt. Yes. Um I think that's basically I think that's one of potentially the nicest um callback to the comics that I've seen so far. I'm sure yeah. we're gonna get some kind of bracelets and band uh tiara uh, it's not what, what's that really a tiara that he wears. Oh, it's a tiara. Okay. It's definitely a tiara, it, it, isn't it? It, is a oh, tiara. <laughs> yes, it, it? it is a gangster tiara. We're going to call it a gangster tiara.
0: All right. Yeah, I love, I love that, that this is his costume in, in, uh, in hell, sorry, in Harlem. I was going to call it Hell's Kitchen there. Uh, that this is his costume. It's, it's, his, uh, it's his hoodie. It makes so much sense. You know, it yeah. wouldn't, you would not see him walking around in his Power Man costume in, uh, in this universe. It's just not going to happen. So, it's uh, so nice to they referenced the colors and, and the color scheme that this is going to be the guy in the hoodie, really. That's quite cool.
1: Yeah. Do you guys, did I miss anything? Do you guys see anything that I'm, I'm missing?
0: The one that I did see is the meeting, uh, between Mariah and, um, and Cottonmouth meth in the club uh where there's a conversation about about Kingpin about them not wanting to um to be seen in the meeting because of what's happened to Kingpin and him being sent off to prison, which I thought was really cool to have that reference that everybody's aware of it, so we know this is taking place obviously after the end of Daredevil season one when he's sent to prison, not too sure how much it crosses over between. Uh, between Daredevil season two and this and this season I'm presuming is taking place around the same time. Um but we do know that Kingpin has been sent off to prison because of his connections uh and, and it's been obviously seen by them uh in it over in Harlem. So uh, quite cool reference there.
1: I, I actually I think I'm think I was thinking about this as we kind of watched it and since then um I think that we're gonna end up having season two of Daredevil is literally happening at the same time as Luke Cage Mm-hmm. Season one of Jessica Jones happened after Daredevil one, and before Luke Cage. And right. I think Iron Fist is going to land probably just after Luke Cage, mm-hmm. or uh, right. like some overlap kind of piece. And then Daredevil season two literally goes say there's a week, two weeks in between, and then we hit Defenders. Right. Um. Similar to the the, the MCU, uh, the actual movie side of things, where Kevin Feige has said. Everything is happening, uh, time for time in real right. time. In other words, uh, the eight years that happened between Iron Man one and Iron Man three, I believe mm-hmm. uh, that happened in eight years, period. Right. Right. So I think that's, I'm assuming there's going to be at least some. This has happened over the course of two years.
0: Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Now, and, and it's possible that effectively all of the defenders will arrive standing over that hole for various reasons <laughs> by the by the uh, the start of the defenders. Were you here to investigate the hole in the middle of Hell's Kitchen? Oh, I was too. Yeah, <laughs> and that's and that's how they kick off the defenders.
1: And then the work. giant hand comes Undeaded.
0: out. <laughs> Maybe not. Is that all the connections you have to the MCU for this episode,
1: Chris. For this episode on the MCU, maybe if I'll have a few bits about Marvel Easter eggs in a later point. So watch this space.
0: Excellent, excellent. Uh, for me, one of the big points for me in this episode is the introduction to one of our new other Marvel Cinematic Universe characters—the first introduction to Misty Knight. Absolutely. In in Harlem yeah. uh, very cool. Yeah, in in the nightclub that we have in Harlem, in Harlem's Paradise, uh, love this scene with her at the bar uh, with Luke serving her drinks. The, the playful banter between these two characters is just fast, fantastic. Really, really enjoyed it. I love that Luke keeps kind of slagging her off about being a bit too old. Um, which I'm, I'm expecting her to just reach across the bar and just smack him in the mouth, but she does another couple of smackdowns on him instead. Uh, you know, v- verbally, uh, you can tell there's a, <laughs> nice, a nice playful nature between the two of them. Uh, really enjoyable. Like, I like, you know, Luke calling out the fact, you know, uh, you look like you could be one of Cottonmouth's girls, but you're a bit too old. Uh, you know, and then she calls out the fact that the guy on stage, she likes one of his albums, and Luke says, Oh, I can definitely tell you, you're old school now, you know. Uh, but yeah,
2: really like that. What do you think of, uh, what do you think of our, our introduction to Simone Missick's Misty Night? Oh, I love it. Um, like, this is, this is one of my points as well, is Misty Night arriving. But I think, you know, my slant is definitely, like, she brings a whole lot of uh, sassiness and sexiness. And we see this between her and Luke Cage, where it all boils over. And a, a, a bit like with Jessica Jones, it's absolutely fantastic seeing this in a, a Marvel TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, physical relationships between um two adults... Absolutely fantastic, and I think Simone Missick is is really good as Misty Knight. I can't wait to see how um, her character develops. I think on our 101, we talked about her with her own detective agency, almost a bit like Jessica Jones, but here we see that she's definitely, um, she's a detective with the NYPD, she's a police officer, so she's not freelance or anything like that or a pi uh, in the same vein as as jessica jones but she is a detective and so you can see you know a few additional connections here that maybe allow misty knight to go across several of these marvel uh netflix shows very true yeah really good and i think with her getting it down with luke cage um you know I'm assuming she's not attached to Danny Rand at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that's one of the things that we were kind of wondering in our 101 as well was whether, um, you know, is Misty Knight going to be there in a relationship with Danny Rand like she is in the comic books? Mm-hmm. That's how, um, Danny Rand and, and, uh, and Luke Cage sort of get introduced through Misty Knight. That's right. That could still happen. But in this case, um, at this point in time within the timeline. They've definitely been introduced. Yeah. They well, Misty Knight and Luke Cage have definitely been introduced. <laughs> yep. Um and So maybe it'll uh, be the other way around. And maybe Danny that's... Rand is still to be introduced to either Misty Knight, um, and maybe he will get introduced to Luke Cage. Maybe. Maybe um, maybe, maybe you... that's maybe that's
0: how they'll flip it. Maybe that's uh he'll come and meet Misty and Luke together, you know?
1: Yeah, completely agree. Um well, first thing, she has both her arms, which is great. Of course. A, yeah. we, we we were wondering about this in our 101. So mm-hmm. she has both arms, fantastic. Um and I have to say I am completely smitten with this <laughs> actress. Smitten. And yes, I I I usually am not a pre bo teenage boy when it came to this, but this has made this has made a lot of people very happy.
2: You are need... oh, a prepubescent boy, Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. But like, <laughs> oh my God. She
1: embodied, like, this was like, you know the way that we always talk, some people, and we do as well, talk about the, the Marvel abs. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a well-known thing. <laughs> she has the Marvel abs.
0: <laughs>
1: they just, it's amazing.
0: Misty Knight is bringing sexy into Luke Cage. That Definitely, is, she's, she's very, very sexy, Luke Cage fashion. is bringing sexy into Virgin. Luke Cage. <laughs> very true. Uh, what I also love is that great moment later on in the episode when uh, when uh, Rafael Scarf, her, her partner, uh, suggests that they go and meet the bartender from the from the place, and she goes, "Oh, that guy. Uh, I hardly even got his name. I I didn't even talk to that guy." <laughs> you know, uh, another little nice, playful moment from Misty. Really, really enjoyed her in this episode. Really looking forward to seeing more of her as we go through the series.
1: One of the things I I really like, and I'm taking it away from that prepubescent boy, is well yeah, I think. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm I'm evolving as we we record episode by episode. <laughs> I think that one of the the best parts is she's a strong, powerful woman, mm-hmm. and that's the thing. we we talked about this with in our Agent Carter kind of run throughs. We talked about this in our Jessica Jones run through, and to a degree with our Daredevil with um Karen, to a degree, but. Karen's character is completely different, It's Mm -hmm. uh, the damage element. But I think with Missy, they're giving a number of things. One, they're giving a strong, confident black woman. Mm -hmm. And then they're giving, just in general, this strong, really, how do I put it? This really uh, amazing presence to uh, a character who is, uh, you can see, even with her partner, there's a partnership is leaning more towards Missy, who is kind of a bit more in control.
2: Absolutely, Definitely, yeah. She's got amazing presence.
1: No, seriously, I really think that Simone Missick in kind of... She obviously, I think she read, must have read the source material because Misty in the source material is this very confident, sassy, talk-back type of character. Absolutely. And that's what this character is. There, there was always an element to me of that, okay, taking it slightly too far, like with Luke Cage and The Sweet Christmas, you take it too far and it becomes comical.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: She's pulling this off in that, no, this is an everyday woman who knows her stuff. She knows she's in control. She, she, as that one scene in the bar kind of sets up that character fantastically.
0: I absolutely, absolutely agree. I think that it's really funny that uh, what Simone Missick has been saying in interviews coming up to the to the uh, launch of Luke Cage is that the question she's asked most often is when are you losing the arm? Uh, there's a lot more to Misty Knight's character in in the comic book. She's a cool character. She just happens to have had that. That particular thing happened to her and get a new arm by Tony Stark, you know. Um, but I love the sassy nature of the character. Definitely. I love her interplay with Luke Cage in the show and, and Simone's bringing it. Absolutely love
2: Simone's bringing it. And Marvel and Netflix are bringing like strong characters. And you know, in this case, not the lead character. I mean, mm-hmm. just strong supporting women characters as well yeah. really really good i yeah. mean even uh, mariah dillard um, you Absolutely. know her relationship with Cottonmouth, and and just what she is bringing in terms of um her nuance of, of being you know caught between crook and a politician mm-hmm. some may say they're the same thing but <laughs> nonetheless you know walking that fine line um but really interesting dynamic for that character Definitely. of Mariah Dillard. really really good yeah a, a fantastic fantastic character so chris what's your next point
1: so i'm 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 going to talk about something and this is the the tough first point that we probably a lot of people kind of will want to say about this mm-hmm. show um the very first episode they use the n-word yes and indeed. um it's harsh It's, this is like almost like an HBO level of harsh realism. Mm -hmm. And I did have a, not a concern. I think like it it would have been very easy for like Netflix to kind of go, okay, well, like that word and that level of kind of realism is slightly too far. Right. Um, but no, this, this, they, they, they grounded this show in a very realistic sense. The use of the N-word, will it shocks at the very beginning, and it makes it uncomfortable. The same way if you were walking down the street and someone shouted that. You Mm -hmm. would go, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. And, like, they even had uh, Maya calls out that she doesn't like that word.
0: Yeah, I I love that reaction from Riley. I love that she instantly ignores whatever it is that Cotton saying to her, which is all about whether that he's the one in power and he's the one that's going to be able to, to control the city for her during a political campaign, just ignores what he's saying and says, don't ever use that word in front of me kind of thing. Uh, given the, it's the right reaction, uh, when you're using it in a show like this, you know, to have another character have the same harsh reaction that we have as viewers to it. Uh, a yeah. really good, really good moment.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But, but also appreciate that this is, about taking back that, that mm-hmm. word within the community that it has been so frequently used against. And I think that's the really uh, interesting thing. And I mean, it's like hats off to having that in, you know, effectively what people will say it, it is a comic book TV yeah. show. Um, so again, I mean, you know, not to draw. Too many parallels with the wire, but I mean, the same. You heard that word so much within the projects of the wire, and again, you know, using it uh, again to within that community, that that kind of reclaiming of the word. um, It's it's like uh, you know, other communities that have had abuse um, and stuff at them. So absolutely, um, you know, props to everyone and for for doing that definitely mm-hmm.
1: yeah and i think i think this comes down to chio broker and i think that's probably where this probably comes from i say he may have to fight a battle for this because mm-hmm. what he's done is by by simply doing a few small things he's grounded this show in 2016 harlem Absolutely, the use of this word then doing some of the stuff like the calling out to the black lives matter kind of um, situation that is going on in America today mm-hmm. at this point in time that is called out in the show and then even there was a very subtle one and it took me a second to kind of I had to it was very much a second viewing when I got this there was a comment by pops in the shop about the pacing and being in jail. Right, it's like, and I like this has been called out in other shows as well. That like you may get out of jail, but you'll always pace because that's what they do. They're very small and close. And Luke's doing, it, and then Pop calls it out, and it's yep. by even those small details that you're able. It it just grounds it a bit more. It grounds us. This is a realistic show with, unfortunately, don't think about it, but a guy who can lift up a dishwasher, yep. with one hand.
0: And I, and you're right. I like how they play that as well because in the entire episode up until the end. In the entire episode, it gives you the opportunity to get into it as a show set in Harlem with, okay, you've got a strong man who can lift up a washing machine. But there's a few guys that might be able to do that as well, you know, hmm. that aren't superpowered. It's not really pushing the boundaries of what he can do in that in that particular scene. It's just kind of the old guy going for a split second, Pops going, um, I like it when you do things like that. And that's kind of it. And it's left alone. And then the end of the episode is when the powers are revealed, you know. So you could be watching this show as anybody on netflix who's had a pop-up in their face to go this is actually a really enjoyable show set in harlem oh okay that guy has superpowers okay i can i can put up with that nobody else does and it seems really really realistic so yeah I, i totally get what you mean
2: i'm really good
1: so john that that's that's my view and let's kind of move to your next point maybe
2: yeah, um, again, another amazing, um, actor here, um, Mahashala Ali, who plays Cottonmouth King, Cornel Stokes, um, really loved, um, how he was playing Cottonmouth here. But one of the things I want to kind of ask is, you know, obviously we have Shades come in uh, and, uh, he's working for Diamondback. So, uh, we hear, and I think if I'm right, you know, Diamondback is going to be Willis Stryker, mm-hmm. um, potentially, uh, within the show. So he is the guy who ultimately Luke Cage falls out with and ends up going to prison, um, after being, pla- ha- having the, the drugs planted on him. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. But that relationship to me seemed kind of uneven. It, it like, what, and what I mean by that is because Cottonmouth and Diamondback didn't meet face to face. It wasn't like, um, Fisk going to meet Madame Gao, uh, where, you know, he had that respect for her to, to, to deliver a message or discuss stuff with her, you know. Yeah, yeah. To, to affect sort of be truthful about what his plans were because hers didn't clash with his. Uh, you know, in, in comparison to say the Russians within Daredevil season one. But here, Diamondback is effectively set, sending his right hand man to, to discuss, uh, to protect Cottonmouth, even almost like, um, he doesn't trust what Cottonmouth is going to do because yeah. he's got too much ego, um, he's not playing it cool kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought this was really interesting. Um, be, I mean, there were moments where I thought Shades, Kind of felt like he could kill Cottonmouth. Like, I know what you mean. Um, he yeah. he was very threatening in how he he was he was there and and what he was kind of being sent to do. It was almost like looking out for Cottonmouth. He was the envoy of Diamondback, and so it seems that this relationship is very uneven. It's not a one on one at this moment in time. Might be wrong, but it'll be interesting to see how that plays it out. He does
0: kind of feel like uh, like the enforcer. Theorossi's shades does kind of feel like the enforcer for Diamondback, that he's sending him along. He's not like his right hand man. He's not like the Wesley from, uh, from season one of Daredevil, uh, being the right hand man to Kingpin. He's, it's like he's being sent along to make sure the Cottonmouth does exactly what he's told and doesn't step over his boundaries. Mm. You
1: know? No, 100%. I think that it's really, hmm. I have so many mixed opinions about this guy in terms of I really think it's gonna be, yeah, you're right. He is. There's more to that character, and I think there's going to be a level where we'll get—I'm sure—we'll get that played out. Yeah, he has—he just has such an. Again, we're going back to the word presence, but that—that mm. that introduction alone was just huge presence.
2: Absolutely, when he takes the shades off, uh, yeah. when he walks into the room, yeah, definitely. And I think, in in contrast to that, you know, Cottonmouth. Sort of lounging back. He's in his club. Okay. He's a very serious guy. You can see that, you know, he, he's not going to um, suffer fools gladly, but mm-hmm. nonetheless, he's living that dream to an extent of owning his club, being king of the castle, mm-hmm. uh, all that. I mean, I, I again, I love, um, you know, the moment where he steps in front of the picture of B.I.G. and he's got the, 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 the crown over his own head. You know, so, that's how he yeah, sees himself. So. And, and it's like, is it that Diamondback sees that as a weakness that it, he could blurt something out? He could just get sloppy because, you know, he, he's talking as though he's um a, a baron. He owns the place when mm-hmm. in fact, you know, there is still the likes of Misty Knight and Raphael Scarf out there. And he can still be brought in and questioned, charged, put in prison. So like, I love this relationship but to me it is at this moment in time a bit uneven absolutely Um, and you know um, we don't see Diamondback dealing directly with Cotton Mm -hmm.
0: now as the song said as Moment of Truth said it's lovely at the top whatever you do you always gotta watch (laughs) around you yeah you always gotta watch everybody around you the mother exactly
1: and I'm just gonna note for anyone who's listening via this on the podcast Derek is staring at us like, as he's saying, watch these guys around you just staring at us. I'm not saying anything. But if, if suddenly anything. one of us disappears over the course of recording this, we you know why. Yeah. Call the police.
2: And okay, we're no. not swearing on the podcast if we can help it, but it's mother yeah. Yes. <laughs> Otherwise, it is the um, the, swear t- the swear tin. swearing Exactly.
1: I, I just want to come on the, the, the point here, John, and I actually wanted to just, it's actually one of my points too. Less about Diamondback, more about shades. Mm. Do we think he's powered? I'm putting it to you guys, and my evidence to date. Okay. When he takes off those shades. Right. The stare, the, 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 the I don't know. We know in, from, Sorry, and I'm not going to use the word obviously because we talked about it. Uh, the Shades character from our in our one one is mm-hmm. that if this is the same portrayal as the guy in the the, the comic books, he was in jail with Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. Do we think that Shades is became powered with Luke Cage? The same experiments in Seagate.
2: That's really interesting because um, I mean, now you mention it, it's it's one of those things where I know the scene you're talking about, and it's kind of. I just felt he was intimidating them, and he could still be, but it could be that he's got some power, and that's why he has to wear the shades. Interesting. Um, I mean, be- that th- that's a possibility, absolutely. I hadn't thought of that, and I'm really intrigued to see whether that um, sort of takes place, because I know that sort of within the Luke Cage comics, shades is one of the other prisoners, and I can't remember if there's any superpower but that's not to say that they won't introduce that here mm-hmm. so and and i mean they really do focus in on his face like when he takes his shades off exactly it, is it just because the shades are his namesake and that's what's really important or is it that he can do something um when he has the shades off and that's why he generally wears them maybe yeah, he doesn't blink yeah ever. yeah well, it's night,
1: vil- night vision. I, I, I doubt night vision. I'd love to say night vision, but that would just be cool. No, I'm thinking <laughs> some kind of telepathic kind of Professor X. Is he a human lie detector? Is he... Can he shoot fireballs? No, look, that's not true. But more like <laughs> more like a, a, a lie detector or he his vision's increased. So similar to Daredevil, he can see when someone's lying based on their kind of like the the pulse on the side of their forehead or the 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 sweat, or we have the first potential MCU version of telepathy where this guy can read your mind. This is why Shades is now the enforcer because he knows when people. Are lying. Are he lying. knows what you are saying. Mm-hmm.
0: Completely random. He knows whether
1: you've been bad or good. It's yeah, he's good. been like Santa Claus. <laughs> <laughs> Shades, Shades, Santa Claus. Are they the <laughs> same person? <laughs> <laughs> um, What's this, space <laughs> listeners?
0: This, this is uh, this is definitely going to be a theory that might run for quite a while. I think until then, Shades
1: dies, this is pretty much going to run yeah, all the way. <laughs> maybe
2: until we realize it's just he's got his eyelids glued, um, <laughs> glued open. But no, that's. I think that's a really interesting point, and I think it'll be really interesting to see, you know, who else potentially has got um, special powers here in, in Luke Cage. So, mm-hmm. um but Derek, what's your next point? Interesting one. Yeah, my next point is another music point. Uh, just mm-hmm.
0: wanted to point out the person who's performing on stage. Uh, In the club in Harlem's Paradise is Raphael Sadiq. Um, He's a member of Tony 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 from back in the nineties. Great, great R&B artist. Uh, Also a producer for many, many artists, including uh, Mary J. Blige, TLC, D'Angelo. Has worked with so many of the greats. A cool idea to have him up on stage. I wonder what the set must have been like when they had some of these some of these uh, artists on. I know we're getting Faith Evans in a future episode, um, and a number of other artists that are coming up, but. I'm wondering what the set was like. Was this where every member of the cast just ran down to the set to see all of these people play in the club, you know? Uh, it must have been really cool and it's a great setup. I love his songs that they chose for the episode they did. They, they mixed them in really well. It wasn't like we were just watching a live performance. Uh, they were, there was a lot of other good stuff going on around it with, uh, with Cottonmouth and, and Mariah having their meeting while he was on stage with Luke and, and obviously Misty having their meeting uh, while the music was going on. Really cool.
2: That was it. It was almost like, um, in front of a live studio audience type of thing with regards to the actual show itself. Obviously, they're within the show in front of a live audience, mm-hmm. but the music wasn't just simply about the person being on stage and doing, um, doing this as a background thing. The music that they were singing, the, the, the cuts into, the 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 band and the artists on stage were were also being shaped within the story and the action going on and that was that was very clever that was really really nice uh to see and I think something quite unique actually Absolutely. so it was really cool yeah really really
0: really liking this this working into the music
1: so two points on that mm-hmm. one, I love the idea of that this was every all the cast were running down to watch this. I'm gonna now gonna pause it on every one of these music scenes to say, <laughs> there's my culture! Oh, there's it! And like, yeah, I can't wait to do that. See if we see a Charlie Cox in the background. Be <laughs> you never know. <laughs> um, the second one is, well, I agree with you. I think this was really well done. And I know that we do have like Faith Evans. I think that's the only one I do know. and um, Because right. you've discussed it before. Mm-hmm. Um, but it needs to be used as in this same way in yeah. that, it can't just be, and now, over to our band, and then we get like two minutes of the, some new up-and-coming R&B artist. Mm-hmm. It needs to be spliced with... This was unique for me in terms of, I like the music happening, but at the same time, I was getting my story elements. So, an important story elements. I Absolutely. Think if it continues like that, then I, I like it. Yeah. If it doesn't, then it's like kind of the Jules Holland kind of uh piece. Jules Holland is a UK presenter and he has a show.
0: Yeah, a, blue, a, blues, a blues singer as well. Yeah. 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 And he
1: has a show where he kind of goes, he has like eight different live bands and he goes, now to band number two. Mm-hmm. And if <laughs> if Cottonmouth does that, it's kind of like, and now if we're our next guest, and he yeah. just kind of turns mm-hmm. around the camera pans, then yeah no I like
0: i I, I like it I know, I know exactly what you mean. it does, doesn't need to be overused, but I like that it sets up the uh, Harlems Paradise as being the kind of place where these kind of big artists will go and play small gigs. you know the the whole idea of of prince's hit and Run tours kind of thing where he'd go and play a, a concert in front of a thousand people uh, in a small venue uh, in a city like New York. you know that's what it feels like. It does feel like we're they're using the music um to to show how important this club is to the local community. Yeah? Yeah. Which I like. I think that's a really good idea. But yeah, you're right. It shouldn't stop the show dead so that we can hear the brand new single from D'Angelo or something like that, you know, yeah. uh, as long as there's other stuff going on Definitely. Uh, in the scene and and as long as it's playing well, uh, I think it adds a bit of gravitas. It's it's so much better than when friends used to go to a club and the scene would have music that was completely unrecognisable, and you could tell nobody in the club would dance to it at all because it was probably filmed at ten o'clock in the morning. You know, uh, <laughs> this feels like people want to be in this location, hearing the singer live. You yeah. know, I'm hoping it keeps up that kind of that kind of uh, way of doing it for the rest of the series.
1: Okay, and on all that talk of music, um, John, do you have another point?
2: I do. I have. Luke Cage protecting the Chinese restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um Genghis Connie's. Uh, really, thing. really good. I mean, this is something that's straight out of the comics. It's a great scene, but it puts its own spin and its own twist. It's when Connie... Uh, offers to give him some money to to hire him to protect their business mm-hmm. to protect them from uh thugs coming in uh trying to get protection money that he effectively says no um that so it's kind of like oh we we're not getting a hero for hire here mm-hmm. uh, like in the comics where you know he suddenly realizes that he can pay his bills he can deck out his his up flat and all that by hiring himself out. To protect people, to mm. fight crime, and, and to earn money in that way—I mean, real proper street level—but we don't get that here. It, it is really him saying, "I still owe you money, and um, I don't want to take your money." So at this moment in time, he doesn't want to do the hero for hire, Absolutely. like uh, from his origin. He um, doesn't want to buy that badass tiara, and, uh, and no, he doesn't. <laughs> but, <you laughs> Not know, yet. Yes. Will he be back? Will it escalate? You know, um, mm-hmm. or will he eventually come back to be the hero for hire at, at Genghis Khan?y So I really like this because it was it was a, a doffing of the cap towards the comics, like in terms of the scene, um, but at the same time, it didn't take it down the route of him being the hero for hire and accepting that money mm-hmm. Um it pulled back from that and he potentially i presume doesn't have to do it for money uh in in, in the same way but we'll see uh how that all begins to to, to pan out because well, obviously think, I, he works and is holding yeah. down two jobs at the moment yeah. but I think, I think this
0: version of luke is that he's trying to keep under the radar he doesn't have any money we we already see earlier on that when he meets connie for the first time it turns out that's his landlady he owes her a ton of money uh, i like that he turns down the money because he's kind of going well i owe you rent there's definitely no point in you giving me extra money from your from your own uh from your own stash since i have don't haven't even paid you for the rent um But yeah, I like that idea and I like that he kind of says to her, you're my people, you know, you're, you're my landlady. This is kind of where I live. So I'll, I'll always have you. I'll always have your back, you know, Uh, that idea. So while he's not a hero for hire, uh, he will protect her if anything happens again. I like that kind of idea.
1: Oh, God. Yeah. This was, this was one of mine. This was from, this was amazing. Mm This is, this is like his exact words was, uh, she was like, I want to hire you. And he goes, I'm not for hire, but you got my word, ma'am. I got you. There you go. And I was like, oh, ah, yeah. it was just an amazing. And I think, I, I, John, I think you're right. But with a slight spin in that what we've got here is the evolution of a hero. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, absolutely. He,
1: this is the guy who has powers and doesn't want to use them. Like Matt Murdock was the opposite in that he was trained from a young age. Um, Jessica Jones to a degree did, we get some. Inklings that she went down that route in an earlier stage, mm-hmm. uh, and then just gave up on it. Whereas this Luke is, he doesn't want to be the, in the spotlight. He doesn't want to be the hero. Yes. And I think this is what we're going to get is over time. Like, when he comes into the Chinese restaurant, uh, Genghis Khanis, which I love that name, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's he, so he, cool. He just comes in, in like, right, I've had enough of this. I, they, I, no. And I think I I, I enjoy this. That basically, we've gone to a point where, like, in Daredevil Season 1, Matt was already playing the vigilante in the kind of dress-up. In Jessica Jones Season 1, she's already got her powers and has the detective agency and went through some of the other issues with Kilgrave, etc. Yeah. Here, we're going to a point where... Yes, Luke is powered, we know very little of his background, but he wants to stay that way. He wants to just work in Paradise and mm-hmm. work in the Pop's Barbershop, and that's it. Yeah, That's his yeah. life. And I think this is the, as I said, this is the evolution. This is going to be really interesting.
0: Yeah, there's it's in that reference from Pop that he could pay him more money if he didn't have to pay him money under the table, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I think it's, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, my final point is all is also about Genghis Khan it's the fight in oh, Genghis Khan. Absolutely. I, I yeah. know it was included in the trailer, but it's so much better surrounded by the rest of the show. I really love how the fight plays out. I love that the the opening scene is the broken hand across his face. It's so brutal. I don't know whether that was cut in the trailer slightly. Uh, I just don't remember the bone coming out through the side of his wrist. I think uh, it was
1: sped up.
0: Maybe, maybe In, yeah. Because
1: I I remember it, but it, I think it's been because it was slowed down just to that element. It was just into that speed, I should say. Yeah. It was just, it was just looked. Oh god, yeah, it looked. looked yeah. Ouch. Proper brutal. Yeah. Proper re- brutal. Really,
2: really good um, visual effects. The yeah, the bone kind of splintering and coming out, blood everywhere. Mm-hmm.
0: Um. I'm I'm presuming that Amos is not going to be famous for punching people anymore. Well, he won't be
2: able to punch anyone <laughs> yeah. anymore. Um, like this will, and obviously there's the Power Man Wedgie uh, oh, through the window. Yeah. Awesome. yeah, absolutely. I was like, God, it reminded me of school. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I but,
1: believe that's called the Atomic Power Man Wedgie. <laughs> just, 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 just T- TC or TM. I should called trademark?
2: <laughs> yeah, so so cool. Loved it. Wedgie. Flip straight out the window, smash bang I, I, In fact, in furnace, it's a good job he didn't take the money because, like, she'll need that. To Connie will need that to pay for the window. Absolutely. Um, guy face planted into one of the tables. Mm-hmm um and another guy running off uh, in absolute fear so fantastic and, and my absolute favorite the catching the bullet in his hand as the as the
0: trigger is pulled you know he doesn't need tony stark's equipment to catch a bullet um like tony needed in in civil war you know uh, he just puts a hand over the gun bullet fires that's a great moment where it's uh, where it's the gunpowder left in his palm with the bullet that's that's hit it showing full force uh, he's been able to catch the ball. That's so cool. Really, yeah, that's really a,
2: like su- that. that's such a good um, bit of effect there. Just seeing the gunpowder because it was close range and sort of the bullet crushed into his palm. Yeah. really yeah. really cool. Yeah, really cool way to show the show the powers of Luke Cage in just one scene.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. And and a proper brawler as well. I mean, yeah. it, it is. Um, it you know he is that. The, the yin and yang when, when I suppose Danny Rand is on, on the scene and, and the two of them are, are purred up. Not that we're getting that here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, you know, he, he's setting out a stall. He is a physical beast uh, and he's a puncher and he's a cruncher. And, um, that's how Luke Cage goes about, um, bringing some order to, to chaos. Absolutely. It's, it's not martial art. It's not, not at this moment anyway. You know, it, it it's not, uh, refined sword work. It's, it's fists. It, it's, it's not pretty all the time at the mm-hmm. moment. It's proper street fighter, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Fight. <laughs> yeah. No, I have to say, I, 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 this for me was the perfect power showcase. I think it's mm-hmm. probably the best way of putting it. In other words, they had to show everyone what Luke Cage is and that, that we got that. You literally got his strength kind of shown twice. Well, and yeah. when in terms of the flip, you got his unbreakable skin twice. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just.
0: And then, yeah, was, the, intemp- the intimidation when the last guy runs out going, I didn't even like those guys. <laughs> <laughs>
1: really good. Yeah. Cool. No, no. And I, I just, I, it was just perfect for me. I think, yeah. I, I think, and they're going to be able to set it up more and more now because it's, but the believable aspect is there. Yeah. In other words, like, we will get these slowdowns. But, and I think that's actually, that's some of these slowdowns may be the iconic scenes that we'll see across in terms of, so like with Daredevil, we had some of more kind of unique camera angles and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think this may be, okay, well now we've got a bit more budget behind this. Let's show the slowdown of someone impacting his hand or a uh, crowbar across Luke Cage's head.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: yeah. I think that may be where we get to.
0: A little like all the, uh, what, what are they called? The, the, uh, fatalities in, uh, in <laughs> combat where they slow them down, that's yeah. the breaking of bones and that's the way they <laughs> Finish do it. Him. Yeah, I, I love, I love this, love this scene. Um, Chris, do you want to give us your next point?
1: Perfect segue because my point is the tone and the humor of behind this show. Right. Um, so the, the, the ending of the fighting. So they've just shown a very realistic, to a degree, (laughs) a a Marvel realistic fight. Uh And then they had this humorous ending and then a heartfelt ending to that after. And for me, I think this is what I talked about at the beginning of the show, kind of about the realism, the grittiness, the kind of dark undercurrent of what is happening in the world today. Mm -hmm. But they don't forget the levity. And I think that's some of the things that... Personally, I love around comic books and, uh, and fiction in general and TV shows in that, yes, all the world is going to hell. Everything is breaking down. Harlem is in disarray. Yeah. But yeah, we don't, we don't forget the fun. Don't exactly. for, Like, we remember that. Like, and the best, like, the best points for me on this was like the, the, at the very beginning, the note on Pop's barbershop ball. Did you guys mm-hmm. notice this? It was like Muhammad Ali, Nelson Mandela, Mike Jordan, Al Pacino, and Pat Riley don't pay. Everybody else does. No like credit.
2: <laughs> Very I cool. They,
1: they zoomed in on it and gave it uh-huh. like gave you a second or two to read it because it's like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a bit of fun with this. And yeah. then it was like even going on. And I talked about how I, I kind of pulled back some of the the Marvel notes in kind of like Easter eggs like mm-hmm. Pop's nicknames, Power Man, Mister Bulletproof making levity of who luke cage is and i'm sure i'm hoping that pops kind of literally says hey that's like he's gonna come up with additional kind of like he's gonna call out tiara or something like that right right um but I, that I would also, look
0: great on you luke yeah. yeah it's like yeah you do that you, yeah. you go for that
1: that tiara um, look
0: great on your paramount. yeah
1: yeah um but I think uh, that's that's one of my points in terms of the tone of this show is unique in what mm-hmm. we've got so far in the MCU, Netflix universe, or even just the MCU, in that it's bringing together gritty realism from, um, say, like the Daredevil and Jessica Jones, mm-hmm. and that kind of like, that this, this is happening in the world, this is not a nice thing. But also some of that Guardians of the Galaxy humor, in terms of like I think we'll get some of these funny moments that we just kind of, it may be a chuckle or it may be a full-on laugh out loud moment. Mm-hmm. But that's what we want. Um,
0: yeah.
1: And I think yeah, they'll def- also they definitely
0: need a bit of levity in the in the show anyway, just to just to kind of lighten it up a bit because it could get very dark.
2: Absolutely, and yeah. I mean I think Luke Cage anyway. Um, has to have that, that levity element because mm-hmm. his character is quite, Charities. um, is serious and, and, um, you know, he's pretty straight down the line. What you see is what you get. Yeah. And, uh, he's a serious guy and he's also going through, you know, effectively, you know, he's, he's, he's lost his bar. He's, he's lost his wife. Um, and, uh, you know, he's kind of having to, be on one dollar an hour type jobs, really low pay, and and so on. So, yeah. but yeah, you've got to have that levity, and it really comes through, and it really adds to it. I mean, the, as as we've discussed, that that the moment in the bar between him and, and Misty Knight, mm-hmm. really, really good. Yeah. Um, him in the but uh, in Pop's barbershop shop uh, with Frankie Faison, really, really good. But I mean, you know. Do we have any predictions for Pops at all? So,
1: yeah, I'm torn. So, I've talked about this. Okay. <laughs> me too. Sorry. No, so, like, me too. Yeah, because it's just like, right, we talked to They have the, the gritty realism and then the humor and this is the evolution of Paramount. This is the evolution of the, the unbreakable Luke Cage. Every origin story from Shakespeare to Spider-Man to, you name it, has tragedy.
0: Mm, and Luke's had man. his
1: tragedy, but it's happened before. It's happened with Rava already. And I'm just like, so Pops is the father figure. He is the Uncle Ben right now. And I have so much fear for this guy. I'm like, I. it's just, he, he's, they they gave him great humor. They, they've given him great lines. Uh-huh. They've shown him off. I want to be wrong. Yeah. But I have so much fear for this guy. It's there's just... a
0: certain air of destiny in there, isn't there? There is yeah. a bit, isn't yeah. there? It's really tr- hoping that he's going to survive at the series.
1: Yeah. But, like, we keep saying that. <laughs> I, I don't remember, think that's going to
0: happen, There. Do you
1: remember with Ruben? Yeah. Like, we were like, yeah, he's amazing. Oh, my God. Who's he going to turn <laughs> into from the cutoff? Yeah, so, yeah. Tragic. Poor Ruben. So, I, I don't know who, but there's going to be a... Major player death tragedy in this, and like that doesn't have to be for anyone that can be there may be multiple there may be uh Missy Knight's partner uh, the one or two of the kids in the shop like like we're trying to like you name it someone's gonna die, one person yeah
2: well, speaking of deaths um that kind of segues nicely into my uh final point, which is the the beatdown of Shamik by Ooh, yeah. Cottonmouth, oh. like, mm. um, just the move from, you know, the the slapping and, and you know him trying to degrade Shamik by saying, you know, I only slap girls and trying to get this information where, out from him as to where the money is or the other half of the money is, and yeah. Chico, um, and then you know. I think Shamit gives him some lip back and it, it, he goes, Oh, so you want to be treated like a man? And he just curls his fist and then, um, just the power behind it and the blood coming up. And then you see the results of that in the gutter, uh, as Misty Knight and Raphael, um, Scarf are, are investigating mm-hmm. this body
0: and, she even describes it as as he looks like he's been hit by a truck with two fists. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's that—that's her description. Like
2: it's yeah. so intense, and again, it, it it kind of it shows the danger of cottonmouth. You know, he can be like sat back, he can be in his club laughing, joking, but mm-hmm. down to business, steal his money, and give him some lip, and he is gonna. Turn on the fists and he's gonna get violent yeah. and he's gonna get serious and he's gonna show uh you who's boss. And I, I thought this was a really intense scene um, you know, really intense. And I, I just thought it was another great sort of facet to Cottonmouth that Mahajala Ali had, had brought. I, it, yeah. it, it reminds me of, uh, you know, Fisk with, with the car door. It, it reminds uh, me of, um, the purple man, Kilgrave, you yeah. know, telling someone to stand there and don't move forever. I mean, purely from a psychological point of view, you know, where there's the poor kid who's wet himself outside of the club. In, hell's kitchen all these different things mm-hmm. um or, or even you know the, the thousand cuts uh, all yeah. these elements um ha- have got this this tone of and um, brutality about them, and, and again, I think uh, here it, it carried that through. But I thought it was really, uh, a really good part of, of the the episode. Definitely, definitely. I'm,
0: I'm, I'm really. I think we've said how much we love Mahershala Ali in the show. He's he's been excellent, and this is a great twist for the character. You know, um, he's definitely not afraid to get his hands and his entire body, his face, everything dirty uh, in the pursuit of his money. You know, um, really, really great scene.
1: Yeah, no, and I think for me, that was one of my notes, just in general, just that the the, the beating of this guy and the the level of blood, it really so reminds me, like, it's, I'm wondering, like, it was so quick, I wasn't expecting it, Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering, yeah, we're like, okay, so we've talked about the humor, and we've talked talked about the gritty realism, there's Mm -hmm. gonna be a level of blood and guts and just yeah, about this this series, I'm getting absolutely,
2: it. definitely. Even with the shootout scene uh, where uh, Shamik and Chico, you know, steal the the money with Dante, mm-hmm. it's like you know, there's bullets to the face, there's shotguns to the face. Um, it's all pretty, yeah. pretty uh, brutal. There's certainly no holding back, and, and then turn on Dante because he threw up. You know, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty brutal. You know.
1: And I, I, I'm, wondering, even with say Daredevil, like, like back in, the, so back to season one, mm-hmm. like there was, there was an element of like the breaking of bones and the gore, and then season, yeah, the guy,
0: the guy who killed himself on the fence, remember that? Yeah, that scene being particularly brutal. Yeah. yeah,
1: and then with Jessica Jones, we had the more cerebral kind of. Ugh, I can't remember what we decided to call it, the ugh factor with Kilgrave. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. but I'm quoting myself from pre- the previous season. Um, I think there will be parts <laughs> of this in, um, in this show in that they'll keep it very grounded, realistic. They'll keep the powers. They'll keep the humor. But, like, what happens in four episodes when Luke Cage hits some guy at full strength? Like... <laughs> We're gonna see a shoulder just like tear off an alarm going flying kind of job. Maybe that, maybe he does that to Misty. Maybe that's, it is how it happens. It'll be interesting to see how that plays (laughs) out. Uh, No, but I think, I think that's the, 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 we're gonna get gore in this. We're gonna Mm -hmm. get, like, I think it ties back to that realistic kind of theme, wire point. Like, HBO and The Wire and all those kind of shows, they don't shy away from okay if so if if someone you punch someone with' break a skin your bones are gonna break
0: yeah yep. if
1: someone is sitting on top of you beating you you're gonna be covered in blood like I think where the, do you remember the see in Daredevil when the guy with the fence they didn't show the the impaling part he just mm-hmm. we, like they cut just that part away
0: yeah uh, not much of it cut
1: though. no but <laughs> and it's like the door scene with the kingpin in the mm-hmm. first introduction <laughs> yeah yeah it's like the 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 smoothie as I think we called it <laughs> it was just I think with this one like they didn't show the guy getting beaten but mm-hmm. they showed the effects and I think that's what's going to happen yeah I just think we're going to get lots of blood they, yeah. there's a lot of uh, Blackbird cordial or whatever they use in these shows to replicate blood flying uh-huh. all over the place
0: and <laughs> there's going to be quite a lot to watch definitely it's going to be pretty brutal
1: Chris is that your final point? that was my final point but I do have a One quick, uh, two quick notes, I should say. Okay. Um, The first one, Justin Hammer weapons. Yes, that's right. Oh, yeah. I told you I'd bring another Marvel kind of plug in here. Uh, Mm -hmm. And this actually, in theory, is more MCU. Um, Justin Hammer. So, like, literally Iron Man 2. Like, we're going all that way back.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? I'm wondering if because of what happened in Iron Man 2 where he gets sent off to prison, I wonder if... If all of the arms that their company was building, all of those got flooded the streets, and now they're being sold around by arms dealers on on the streets of Hel- of of Harlem and Hell's Kitchen. I'm wondering if that's that's
2: the connection. That's yeah. how Misty loses her arm. <laughs> the arms <laughs> dealers. Oh, there you go. The there arms you go. Dealers. oh I like <laughs> I'm not very good at jokes. I'm <laughs> it was good.
1: I do wonder if Melvin Potter, aka Gladiator from Daredevil, may turn up with some tinkering parts from Justin Hammer or. You like, or are we gonna see Whiplash? Like, we, not obviously Whiplash himself, but like the actual someone's toys. Like, could it be that, okay, bullets are impervious to Luke Cage? So how do you make. Uh, or the other way around. Yes, that, yes, that's, <laughs> that makes slightly more sense. Uh, but I will wonder, like, are we gonna see like there's an escalation of weapons? Because this is what happens. Maybe,
0: yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. The escalation it could absolutely lead to, to some more some more kind of different weapons appearing on the streets of,
2: of Harlem, yeah. And from the teaser trailer, we definitely know that someone gets whiplash. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That is true. That is yes. true. That is funny. Uh, <laughs> I am quite good at crap yeah. jokes. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: <laughs> and the final points are just the books. Attica and the Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. Um, just, it was like, it was nice to see, faced on them for a while, and, um, the, especially the bit, the, the invisible man part, there was a kind of, obviously, yeah. Luke's trying to hide himself. Mm-hmm. It was, it was just, it's interesting, will they kind of continue with this theme? No, what yeah. would you call it? Yeah, a theme, I suppose. A
2: book theme. The, book yeah. theme.
1: Yeah. yeah. But uh, I think it's it. And then, oh, obviously, sorry, last point. had, uh, last note. Uh, Riva's photo. Yes. It's lovely. The same place it was in Jessica Jones, still in
0: That's there. Right. That's right. Uh yeah, really, really cool touch. I like having that uh that, that connection back to, to uh back to his history and his past. Um yeah, I really like that moment when he's when he's uh he's getting that direction from his past, I suppose, about how to uh, how to deal with people, you know, um where he's being told in a I guess in the self-help group that he would have attended while he was in Seagate prison. He's being told you need to make friends or else you won't be able to last in here. Um, I love how that scene was shot in his, in his apartment. That was pretty cool. Uh, and obviously, yeah, the, the books, uh, on the bed, particularly the invisible man stands Absolutely. out as being what yeah. Luke is trying to achieve, I suppose, uh, by hiding it in Harlem. Uh, John,
2: do you have any notes about the episode? It's just the. You know, we do see the start of the flashbacks here. We see Luke Cage kind of go back to, to Seagate Prison. We see him in his orange coveralls, um, of Seagate Prison. We see that obviously there's some kind of history there with Shades, who's, who's played by Theo Rossi, that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, whether it looks like it's some kind of fight, whether, uh, Luke is, is with Shades here or, or they're, they're against one another but obviously he's trying to avoid him now so for whatever reason uh, that is is to avoid a fight or to avoid potentially being asked to join a gang yeah who knows maybe, maybe. you know again it's one of the things as i said earlier that is so good about uh, luke cages is that he could have become a gang member he could have you know being evil effectively yeah. in that sense of you know good and evil in the marvel universe, so um yeah, it was interesting seeing those flashbacks,
0: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, my final note, I just don't think we've talked about her enough. alfrey Woodard in this episode is one of my favorite parts of the episode, i think uh, I think her character of mariah uh, Dillard. Really adds so much to, this, to the show. Really hoping to see a lot more of her as we go along throughout the season. Uh, loved her campaign trail moment, as you mentioned, the Black Lives Matter moment when she's doing her speech to camera. Um, really, really good. You can totally see her point, which is the point of any politician. You're supposed to understand where they come from. Uh, I can totally see what she's trying to get across. Yet there is a bit of darkness about her as well. Um, it's effectively trying to, it's almost saying, let's ethnically cleanse Harlem back to what it was like with just black people living here. Um, yeah. it, it, she's, she It has that strong align about it, you know? Um, but you can understand the point of view, you know? It's a, it's a, the jewel in the, in the heart of black America, you know? She wants to keep it the way it was historically uh, valid, you know? But yeah, that means we're going to, want to kick a lot of people out of the city
2: it's really Um, interesting that the children in the lineup and mm. you know she's walking through and comes to the 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 final uh kid who's white i think and you know it's just it's slightly more hands-off i suppose Mm -hmm. but even i suppose it moves to where luke cage is protecting um connie and her husband yeah Um, and that it, it, it seemed that and um, you know there are other communities that that are below you know it's all kind of this relative space mm-hmm. that's happening uh were the effectively communities at one another yeah. so um really interesting kind of idea you know as well absolutely and couldn't
0: yeah. couldn't have come along at a better time really I suppose
1: no, and I think I think you're right it, that that scene where there was that kind of shaking all the kids' hands and then. They that she takes uh hand sanitizer after, mm-hmm. and you don't know whether it's because she's shaking a lot of kids' hands or that she's just touched this Caucasian kid. Yeah, yeah and it, yeah. Like, I, I, I do think that potentially they're going to touch on some very harsh racism kind of mm-hmm. topics, and I think that that's good. It, it, it's 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 a unique take that like America's probably hasn't seen before, yeah. and like this is going to. This is, as I said, this is harsh. This is going to be pretty really realistic. It's going to, they're going to touch on some things that people are going to go, oh, that's too close to the bone. Let's not talk about that.
0: Absolutely. Now, I will say, I know that uh, President Obama has said, if he wanted to give one piece of advice to his younger self, before he came into office, the one piece of advice he would have given is you need a lot of hand sanitizer for your years in office uh, if you want to keep healthy. Uh, <laughs> so maybe it's just a little reference to that. But but yeah, I know what you mean. It, it's just played that way where you don't really know why she's doing it at that particular point at yeah. the end of shaking all those kids' hands. Uh, really cool, though. Just really loved seeing Alfie Wooden in the show. I knew she was going to be Definitely. good. I loved her and other stuff. Very different character, obviously, than her character in, uh, in Civil War. Uh, it is a completely different character. And I'm sure we're going to see loads more throughout the series well guys, I think we've come to our own moment of truth. It's time to see whether we defend the episode. Chris, do you defend Luke Cage season one episode one moment of truth?
1: I have to say like this this is up there for me in terms of like it it based on this one episode on this the opening of what this is based on the realism based on everything about this opening, this premiere. It's really struck a chord with me. I don't Mm -hmm. know whether it what it is is that maybe it's because we've already had two seasons of Daredevil or kind of one season of of Jessica Jones. For me, this is up there in terms of the top pilot episode one of all MCU Netflix. Right. Um, right. Now, I'm not going to say it's like a, a five out of five. Like there's like there's some bits in there that will potentially. Need to be worked on or just like it was just overall, but this is the strongest opening we've got right this is it's telling you it's set the scene it told you the story mm-hmm. it's giving you the background they've made they've made us question a lot of certain things either through actual plot device through uh the actual script or even just through a lingering camera shot mm-hmm. like they've made you question what this show, where this show is going. Of course, it's Marvel. It's Netflix. So I'm jumping for joy that we've got a new, another 12 episodes or 13 episode series to devour mm-hmm. uh, one at a time because, uh, <laughs> because of, of our illustrious leader. Plus uh, podcasting in between.
0: Don't forget, yes. you don't get to watch them just one at a time. There is podcasting in between. Yes. Too.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's even better. Um, uh, but no, uh, again, it's just, it's Marvel time. I get to, Go and geek out and find all the Easter eggs. Um, But honestly, kind of hand on my heart, this is up there in my top one or two. I know, I'm going to go to this in my top two. Personally, Uh that now interchangeable between episode one of Jessica Jones and episode one of uh, Luke Cage. And then directly after that is Daredevil. Um, Very good. So, John, Mm. do you defend this episode of Luke Cage?
2: I do defend this episode of Luke Cage. Um, I'm giving this four Genghis Connies out of five. Nice. Um, I think, like you say, it's a really good introduction um, and background. But, I mean, I love the gradual build. Um, you know, this really sets up Harlem. It sets up Luke Cage. It sets up the society and the community. You know, it's got the politics of uh, Mariah Dillard. It's got the gangs of... of Cornell Stokes and Diamondback, all this society and the melting pot that is that is Harlem in flux, and and it's a real gradual build. You've got the sexiness of Misty Knight. You've got the the police uh, and detective and investigation um, from Misty Knight and Raphael. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of this, um, I think, this gradual build up. You know, some people might say that it's slow. I think this is a gradual build up. This is you know taking something. Um, uh, a part of, uh, New York City in, in Harlem that hasn't been in the previous Netflix shows. So you've got to introduce that. You've, um, been briefly introduced to, um, Luke Cage, but it's from Jessica Jones. So this is his show, his relationships, his, um, area of New York and it mm-hmm. has to be set up and they did this so well. And, and then finally, just the strength of acting from Mike Coulter as Luke Cage. I really, really enjoyed his, his mm. take. I loved his, his, um, his battle, his internal battle and conflict. And I, and, but again, all backed up with equally strong supporting, um, uh, and lead acting going on from maha ali from alfre woodard from simone missick absolutely. you know all and frankie Fezon in um in the show so absolutely uh, defend this episode of absolutely. luke cage derek par chance do you defend this episode of luke cage
0: Well, as always when I'm going last, you guys have taken all the words out of my mouth. Uh, I totally defend this episode. Just absolutely looking forward to watching the next 12 episodes. A great setup episode, great introduction to brand new characters in the Marvel Universe. So excited to see this version of of Misty Knight. Simone Missick's doing a great job in here. Really looking forward to seeing more of Alfred Woodard, more of Mahershala Ali's uh, Cottonmouth, just so much of this universe to explore and we've got 12 more hours to do it and it makes me really excited while i don't think uh, that it's not that it's as awesome an opening as uh jessica jones that did have the benefit of a huge cliffhanger at the end of the episode this had a great uh uprising moment at the end of this episode where we finally got to see luke go out and be a hero and um, for a couple of minutes at the end of the episode we didn't get that in jessica jones we got her turning on her heels and realizing she's going to stay in Hell's Kitchen. Um, and I thought that was a bigger, more dramatic opening, I suppose, than this, than this one. While I loved this episode, I think Jessica Jones first episode probably a little bit better than that, but that's no, there's no problems with that. We've still got another 12 hours to spend with these cats. uh, And I'm looking forward to it, definitely. So guys, that's the end of our review of season one, episode one of Luke Cage. Uh, only one more thing to do in this episode, which is to uh, give out the prize for our Doctor Strange Summer of Strange. Um, what we asked our listeners to do who are joining us during our coverage of uh, of the 1978 Doctor Strange movie, our Doctor Strange 101, and the Doctor Strange animated movie, all leading to Doctor Strange coming out on October 25th. What we asked them to do is just leave us a review over on iTunes, send us an email to feedback at com, just telling us uh, where they left the, the review. And we got some very, very nice uh, reviews into us
2: during our little hiatus there. I
0: want to say a huge thank you to the listeners that had that left us
2: those reviews. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the reviews um, and, and for the support. You know, reviews... Um on iTunes, on any other podcast catcher, really help independent podcasts such as ourselves mm-hmm. to 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 get noticed within those um, apps, within those programs, and for people to to explore and find us and awesome. be able to listen to us. So it it's very much appreciated. Um, all the uh, the reviews left by um all you very kind people.
1: Yeah. No. And I I I, I yeah there's not much more I can say on that. I was, um, I, okay. So I was chopping onions while I was reading their views. I swear. (laughs) And that's why there was a bit sniffle happening. That or it was my allergies. You know, it's that type of time, time of year, the allergies kick in. Um, but honestly I was overwhelmed. Derek sent them across to me. And as I read through them, I was shocked by the, the feedback we got. It was, it's, Fantastic, just even for us as podcasters. Like, mm-hmm. we are three very geeky, nerdy guys, and we just ramble for sometimes an hour, an hour and 20 minutes or more. And, and I about, added it
0: down to about 40.
1: Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you should see the uncut versions. <laughs> but we, it's us talking and saying what we love about the show, and then mm-hmm. even when we talk to you guys in the, the community, like, they, they, we are all joined by this... Love of Marvel, love of these shows. And yeah, this is a, a geeky thing. We break down someone's amazing work. Um, but just the fact that you guys love it or at least give it five stars is, uh, it's an attestment to what we do. And it's like the only thing I can say is thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> I swear it's the allergies. Don't it's cry, the allergies. Chris. Don't cry. Uh, uh, no,
0: absolutely. And some lovely words left by uh, left by everybody. Just a huge thank you if you took the time out.
1: It doesn't have to stop now. You can keep giving us reviews. As John said, this helps other people find us. So mm-hmm. share it. If you think one of your friends might like one of our comments or like some of the, the, the breakdowns or if they've seen some Easter eggs that I missed... Because especially if they've seen Easter eggs I've missed, uh-huh. send them over. Like share our content with them. Because more people that join our group, that the more the more we can talk, the more we can take over your Facebook feed and your Twitter feed. where... Right? Basically, for the next month, all you're going to see is Luke Cage, and that's what you want. You know mm-hmm. it is. But honestly, thank you, and please continue to share.
0: Absolutely, yep. Uh, share it through any of your social media channels, obviously, over on Twitter and Facebook, over on Reddit, wherever you, wherever you interact. You can share our podcasts with anybody else. Right, okay. Without further ado, time to give out our Summer of Strange prize. It's Thursday the 29th of September and John has the hat in hand with all the reviews that we got over on iTunes. Thanks again so much for all your entries for the Doctor Strange prize
2: draw. Absolutely, a really good response and they're uh, all in the hat. In fact, they're in a Doctor Strange hat, mm-hmm. uh, my Doctor Strange hat. Yes, um, not the one <clears> Not the, the one that is actually the prize, I can assure you. Um, and uh, I will now give it a good old shake. Price Waterhouse Cooper is obviously here to <laughs> no, verify not. the results uh, from the sealed envelope. Do I get to pick this? One? You do. Go on. Awesome. Hand in. Awesome.
0: Okay. And the winner is Frederick Tellerup from Denmark. Congratulations, Frederick. Well done, Frederick. Thank you very much uh, for your review. I'm going to read it out since uh, Absol- he won the competition. Yeah. Right? Um, so he started off with a fun and enlightening supplement to all things MCU and MTU. Nice. An interesting podcast build up, like a friendly conversation primarily about the Netflix TV series episodes, with great enthusiasm and in-depth references to the Marvel comics that span the characters, and to a more or lesser extent, sat down with the storyline beats. Thanks, guys. A very nice addition to watching the shows, and kudos to you for keeping spoiler-free on all episodes for your episode-to-episode walkthrough in these bountiful times of Netflix binge-watching possibilities. Excellent.
2: Yeah, thank you, Frederick. And, of course, thank you, everyone else who... Was really kind and generous to to leave a review uh, it is much appreciated it is one of the the best ways for independent podcasts to kind of get their name out there and for other people to find it so uh, that's why we kind of hold the competition mm-hmm. um, and uh, it's really important so thank you to everyone who took part Um it is much appreciated and congratulations to frederick and now back to old chris Derek, and john so right back to the podcast Big congratulations, Um, you know, we'll have the prizes sent off um as soon as possible. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll be in touch to get your um delivery address and, and all that, but really big congratulations.
1: You're, you're, you're lucky it's going now because uh, literally if some of these prizes had to stay, like, I'm saying like 48 hours or more, there, there was some, uh, it fell off the back of the truck. <clears throat> uh-huh.
0: The, the, there was, there was pocket. a point I thought that John was just buying presents for himself, um, <laughs> and leaving reviews in different people's names. But, uh, but I know where these reviews are left. So, uh, thank you so much for that. Uh, guys, that's it. Time to close We'll be back on Tuesday, the 4th of October with our review of Luke Cage season one, episode two, Code of the Streets. Looking forward to that
2: one. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Remember, you can, uh, join us on Twitter at DefendersCast. Join our group over on Facebook. Go to facebook.com forward slash groups. Forward slash defenders tv podcast. Get involved in the discussion, join the community, leave feedback. You can also do that by email at feedback at defenders podcast.com. You can go onto the website uh, and leave a voicemail if you want to have your uh, lovely dulcet tones on um, our podcast and you can leave 90 seconds of audio. Absolutely. We um, love
0: voicemails. We don't
2: get them often enough. It's really,
0: really easy. Go try it out on the website. Yep.
2: Uh, ask some questions. Give your theories. Comment on the show. Comment on the podcast, and we will uh, bring these into our discussions of um, of Luke Cage season one as we move through the thirteen. 13- episode series absolutely but just one reminder if you are if you've binged watched the entire season
0: of Luke Cage and you're just listening back to our podcast remember we have not watched ahead as we're recording these episodes so if you're saying anything about episode 9 or a big reveal in episode 12 just make sure you mark your email or your voicemail with what what episode it is you're talking about so we can hold off on it and none of us get spoiled about the future episodes as we go
2: absolutely and on Facebook we will make sure we will have um episode by episode places where you can comment and you can be as spoilerific as you wish Mm -hmm. Uh, we will know not to go into that Um, but please come and join the community, the discussions um, and uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening Uh, we will speak with you next time bye
1: see you guys, call me if the hand comes you know the hand (laughs) is coming out of the hole I swear
0: excellent, we'll speak to you on Tuesday bye
2: You have been listening to Defenders TV Podcast, a production of TV Podcast Industries. If you want to subscribe to the podcast, please go to www.defenderstvpodcast.com forward slash iTunes. And subscribe there, leave a review, or alternatively go to any other good podcast catcher and search Defenders TV Podcast for Android users. Leave a review, subscribe, and uh, this really helps independent podcasts uh, to be found out by other interested listeners. Also share uh, our podcast updates on Twitter, Facebook, Facebook. Reddit or any other social media platform. Uh, you can also join us on Twitter at Defenderscast. You can join us on Facebook. Join our group at Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Defenders TV Podcast. Come and join the community, enter into the discussion, leave comments and feedback. If you want to get involved in the podcast, you can leave feedback at feedback at defenderstv Or alternatively, you can leave a voicemail on our website at www.defenderstvpodcast.com, 90 seconds long, and be an audio part of our podcast. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we will speak to you again soon.